This is Masks Off. I am Tia Fagan. And I'm Kim Gross. Who are you behind the masks you wear? We are here to have real conversations about how to live a more empowered and authentic life. So join us, remove your masks, live your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I am Kim. And I'm Tia. And today we're so excited to have our first male guest. This is Robert Astwood. And we are going to talk about education today. We're going to have a great conversation, just see where it goes, talk about masks and how masks may play into the education world. But before we start talking, I will share the quote, which was actually from Robert. And the quote is, youth should be a period of discovery, wonder, excitement. It should be filled with learning through experiences and cultivating the various parts of the human person, not just their technical math or linguistic minds, but their kinesthetic, emotional, and intrapersonal minds as well. Robert Astwood. So welcome. Welcome, Robert. If you want to share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got to do what you're doing. Well, first of all, Kim and Tia, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I know it's been a a challenge to get on here, but you know, uh, things that are worth it. Usually uh, you have to go through a little bit of challenge first. Um, So yeah, I'm here. Um, But uh, yeah, I think what got me to education was I originally started off in senior year of college with my kind of idea of philosophy. And I wanted to teach philosophy um, uh, just like as a professor, you know. So fast forward, I go through that whole thing of, all right, I want to do that. Um, So I go through the undergrad, get the the philosophy degree, uh, communication degree. And then I was like, all right, you know, being a professor is good, but I feel like it's not going to be enough. It's not going to cast a light enough net. So I decided, you know, let me get more into, all right, how can I kind of get more systemic, like a real impact? Um, so I actually ended up going to Teachers College, Columbia University. Haven't finished yet, but that's another story. <laughs> I'll finish. <laughs> um, or maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But, but yeah, I studied philosophy and education there. Um, and that's really where I started getting like that, um, like that rethinking schools from the ground up idea. Um and then I, I really felt like, you know, like there's much more I could do in terms of, of impact, you know? So if I try to change the education system, like from a systemic point, um, I feel like that would have a much more salient and meaningful effect on the world than just like being a regular teacher. Like, I mean, that's still good, but you have a limited reach. So I think that's kind of like a nutshell, like why I got it. Like what's kind of brought me to education is like, all right, that need to see real change like real systemic change. Yeah. And we need that. We need more systemic change on so many levels. And to really focus on the education system is a great way to start because you're going to be supporting kids and their critical thinking and everything and that you talk about in that quote and in the work that you're doing. I just love your vision that you shared that I've read about you. And I'm so excited to hear more in this conversation. So I I have a question. What was your education like K through 12? And what, what, yeah, like, was it, what did you see as being a problem? Is that where like originally you started to say like, okay, there is something wrong with the education world and something needs to change. And, you know, like I, so I have like public schools experience, but like not like a crazy amount, like in third grade, that's kind of when I, like I went to public school up to third grade. And then I went to uh, like Catholic school. Um, but even still, like even it being a Catholic school, like that doesn't, like you would think, oh, like maybe they do things differently. Some of them now do, but back then it was still like very, all right, you need, you need to study for this test. You need to um, like get this homework in on time. Like there was no like meditation or spirituality or like any, like there wasn't anything like teaching you about how to be a person. Like it was more so teaching you about the things that we've done in history, like as people, like as humans, 
teaches you about like human history, but you don't really learn about how, like, what is, how does that relate to you and how can you use that to ensure that you create a, a better future moving forward? Like they don't really teach you that, like how to use your knowledge effectively and uniquely. So I feel like that's one of the things that I saw that was like missing. Mm. Yeah, 100%. So I've shared before on the podcast, and I think I shared with you as well, that prior to having my kids, so this is many years ago, I haven't taught school, but I did teach in a public school system. And in one way, I had the liberty of having some flexibility because I taught the at-risk students. So it was like a school within a school. There's maybe um, 2,000 kids in the high school and there's 40 kids in this program. And these were high schoolers, teenagers that were all at risk of dropping out of high school. So, and, and here you go, right? So there was the expectation by the administration that these kids will never be able to pass the regents exams anyway. In New York State, we have regents exams. They're mm-hmm. lucky if they make it through till graduation. So they didn't have the same expectations for those students as they did for the mainstream, which, okay, in one sense, maybe that's okay. But in another sense, there they're putting a label on them. They're putting them in a box and saying, you're not going to be able to amount to much because of where you come from and your background. So there's that piece of it that's really bad. But on the other hand, because it was this little school within a school, I had a little bit more flexibility in terms of doing more creative things. And, you know, I had like one year we, um, they did fundraising, they sold candy bars or cookies or whatever to raise money so that at the end of the year, they could go to an amusement park that we did as a field trip. So, you know, they had to learn how to save, they had to go sell. There's all these other like life skills that Mm -hmm. were incorporated in it. But even still, that was only a small, small drop in the bucket of what I could do with them because I was still, there were still some guidelines or still a curriculum that I had to teach. I could change some of the books around, but I still had to do certain things. And so there, there's the, these confines that you put on learning, as you talk about in your book so well. So do you want to speak on that a little bit? And maybe you can talk about what you write about in your book and what your thoughts are on that. Well, yeah, definitely. You know, Kim, I think there's like a limited view on, on what learning even means. You know, that, that's why I wrote the book is because I think that we need to rethink and reevaluate and just kind of just think, all right, there's much more, like we can expand our view, let's say like that, of commonly held ideas. And learning is one of them, you know? And I think that in schools, I think the bottom line is uh, like the focus on testing. Like that's a lot of, that takes up a lot of time in terms of like what happens in the actual school day is like reliance on that old industrial model, you know, like the factory model um, and really, just teaching the treating the students as like empty bank accounts, you know, just to deposit information into, you know, like the banking model of education. Mm. Um, so I think what we need to do is really, I'm just wondering how can we, like, how do we start off a system or rebuild all the system? And like, like what's, I guess, what factor, like what part of it would you focus on? I think one of those factors is like, what do you value as important and worth talking about in during class, like spending the whole six hours talking about, like, should we talk about what happened in 1492? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I'm, you could, you could still keep doing that, but you know, or, or should we talk about how can we take advantage of the cryptocurrencies that are happening right now? Or, or how can we, you know, learn how to face our fears or how can we get in touch mm-hmm. with our spiritual intuition? Like, I think those are more relevant and more useful. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong to talk about, you know, history. But at the same time, like, if you're going to do that, at least have, like, the at the core values, like, real practical life skills, like, things that you really, not only a life skill, but human capacities that need to be taught. So I think, like, the shift, like, in a nutshell, I think there needs to be a shift from, like, ranking and production 
and testing to um, like enrichment, um, success mindsets, and I don't know, cultivating a brighter future. That's my catchphrase. Whenever I don't know what to say, cultivate a brighter future. That's, that's it. <laughs> so yeah. Tia, it looks like you had something to say. No, I mean, it's just, it's such an important conversation to have and to really recognize like, yeah, we can teach history or this, that, or the other, but let's talk, what about the depth of the history? How can we bring that into the present? What does that mean about the human spirit? What was the experience, you know, I mean, like what you were talking about, what were the values back then in that history and those decisions that we're making? Or do we talk about something in the present that can be real life, they can touch it, see it, feel it, because it's presently happening, you know, so it's not either or, it's both and, but the common thread of the values and, you know, what does success look like to you? How does it feel to you? Because success is such a term that isn't defined as a one way. Each student is going to have a different path, and that doesn't mean one path is better than the other it just means is that lighting that student up from the inside and then you know what they can switch gears when they learn about the next topic or the next thing that inspires them and find their own way through and how do we cultivate that inner being of each student and you know I it's a challenge I don't know I don't have answers I'm not an educator um well the first step would be to actually allow them to voice what they want to do Cause a lot of schools they just impose upon, cause I, I go to different seminars and, um, well, that's, I'm doing a new job now. That's my, I guess I uh, tear. That's my old, I guess I'm leaving that job now that I'm going to an actual school, going to a private school. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's like a grassroots startup private school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even a startup. It's been out for a while, but it's just, it's just that it's smaller. Um, but you know, I feel like if you want to really, see real change in the schools and if you want to make a difference you have to include students in that process like they're real they're a main education stakeholder and for they can't just keep having the class or whatever they're learning like the whole school day imposed on them like they have to at least have some kind of you know um addition like they have to have uh what's the word i'm looking for they need a contribution like that like you have to be able to actually contribute to what they're doing because if it's mm-hmm. just something that they're not choosing that's why they that's why they're so it's no wonder why they're so like apathetic or not wanting to do it because like nobody wants to do something that they're forced to do so. exactly and and bringing in that own their intrinsic desire to continue to learn i mean we want to mm-hmm. inspire them to continue to have a love of learning because kids are naturally born that way and I mentioned to you before we hit recording, my daughters went to Montessori through seventh grade. And I always remember Dr. Montessori's quote, follow the child, because when they can decide, I mean, obviously, yes, they have to learn basic things, but you can bring that in and through what inspires them. You know, like one of my daughters did research on the fennec fox. And that involved geography. It involved the, you know, what is the evolution? Why did this fox have these monster ears? You know, so like it brings in all the things that we expect children to learn, but it comes from an excitement and uh, a desire to understand. And how does this apply to me? Look, how can I go out and find the information rather than it being fed to me? And I think that's a really important thing that you're talking about, like how you putting it into them versus them seeking and having and encouraging that drive to wanting to understand versus being told what to do. I think that's a huge missing piece in education. Like you just talked about bringing the kids in because you don't see that in many schools. It's it's not very like there's a few schools that are doing it. And, and if it is done, in like maybe a public school and like it'll probably done as, be done as an add-on but i don't i don't know if i've seen that in a public school but you know if it is done it's going to be like an initiative it's not going to be something that's at the core value and that's yeah. really all i'm about is like getting to the core like changing core values because if you don't change the core values of what education the purpose of it is like it's they're going to keep uh well short changing it you know and there's a difference. Like I talked about in the book, you know, the essence of education, there's a difference between what schooling is and what education is. And I don't know, I feel like a lot of the time 
like people look at schooling as if it was education and like I kind of automatically assume it to be, but the way it's going now, it's really just social indoctrination. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not fortifying like learners in the way it should be. It's not uh, giving them experiences that they can use for a later event. Like how Dewey says, you know, or it's not like leveling them up mentally and spiritually. It's just preparing them to follow rules and play with norm, like, like play in the, realm of norms you know like the, the regular what's already accepted um so yeah it's improve and push you to move beyond a greater like beyond your greatest level like beyond that you know it's mm-hmm. like that yeah so how do, so the big question is how do we change the core values of the education paradigm well you know uh, and, and that is a beautiful question. And a lot of people are like, oh, man, like, it's always about the money. And I don't know, I, I, I don't go right to the money, you know, like where the funding is coming from. I'm going to what we can do. Like, the change doesn't come from us yelling at or bar- protesting for it to come and, you know, yelling at the people and shit, like the, the officials or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the change really comes from everybody, like, doing what they can do, like, at your level. So right now, like, for me, like I'm 26, you know, I have a little bit of experience um, in education. I'm still not a master, but, you know, what I can do right now is I can do a podcast on education. I can tell, I can influence people and tell them, like, to get them to think about different ways to see the world differently. Boom, you can do that. Um, you could ha- urge people to be self-reflective. You can get on social media and you could make posts about how to, you know, tap into your intuition and how to, by the way, these are all things I do. You know, yeah. but these are all things that I can do that immediately like they're in my circle of influence, something that I can I can directly do and control. Um, so it's like I feel like if we can just focus on that, like just in like educate yourself to a level, like to get yourself to see the world differently. Because we gotta be honest, everybody is growing up in this US production capitalist society where you produce and consume, you know, you go to work and then you go home. And that's kind of what the school system is preparing you to do. Like, all right, you go to school, go home, do the homework, come back to school, do it all over again. That's so freaking sad. That's so freaking sad the way you just described our society. Mm -hmm. But it's because it's true. That's that's the the paradigm. And I'm actually, I think I'm coming up with a third book. See, there's a second book. (laughs) That one, that I'm completely skipping that one. This third one that it's not going to be directly about education. It's more so about what I just talked about, like the production consumption versus well, the other paradigm that I just created is creation versus um, creation and recharging. So like, I think, you know, that's one really good lesson that we could learn that should be taught in schools is, you know, instead of viewing the world as just production consumption, let's view it as, all right, what can we make? Like create, like create is like, you know, make something for posterity, right? Um, Or just create like an experience or create, you know, a better, something that's going to better you, you know, Um, like connections. Or then recharging is like, you know, things like this podcast, you know, or things like, like listening, like reading a book, you know, doing something that's going to also make you smarter, faster, like more in tune with the world. Um, meditation is another thing mindfulness you know those kind of things are like recharging i think that's a nicer paradigm than just like you know working and then consuming because consuming is kind of mindless you know yes um but when you think about it though you are going to end up i feel like it's like a four quadrants like you're going to end up going in like sometimes you you know so you do end up having to do things you don't want to do like produce like you know you have to eat and live indoors um (laughs) (laughs) but uh but at the same time you know Sometimes you do have to just be a little mindless, you know, play a quick movie, you know, it depends. Um, but it's just not getting too much in the consumption or too much in the production. Like if you're going to do one to extreme, I would say at least like, you know, try to improve yourself and create as much as you can. Like at least if you're going to do anything to the extreme, you know, well, it's so about I think balance, that's a lesson right? It's, mm-hmm. it's all about balance. And T and I, we always talk about the balance between the form and the formless. And I think that's a little bit of what you're saying. The form, like you have to produce, you have to have money to eat. You have to have a house, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the formless is all the stuff that we talk about, like spirituality and being more authentic and growing and evolving and healing. 
like all of that stuff. So, and I think there's starting to be more of a shift of that, but still there's such a long way to go when you look at like our society on how many people are just in that produce and consume mindset. So, Mm -hmm. and then, so one of the things that, you know, I mean, we're masks off. So we talk about taking masks off or wearing masks. How do you think that the, what you've been describing about education and society, if you do think, or how do you think that kind of contributes to people putting masks on? Uh, what are you saying? Of, like, the- like in terms of not being maybe their most authentic self, like the kind of like education, even in terms of, you said, we're just producing these students, we're, we're dumping information into them. And then we're, they're coming out and they're just producing and consuming so how does that prevent one from being their most authentic self and that they then might wear a mask of competency or overachieving or whatever the case is like mine's perfectionism i'm a perfectionist when i was in school i did the whole straight a's i learned the information to pass the test to graduate number 10 in my class ask me one thing that i learned from high school i could tell you it's zero (laughs) zero things do i remember but right. you know what? I was number 10 in my class, right? Mm-hmm. It has nothing, right? So, but I wore the perfectionist mask. So that's what I mean by that kind of education that I went mm-hmm. through, the kind of created and developed that perfection mask. Yeah, I think a lot of students, like they, and I try to go, like when I go out to different schools and whenever I'm in the classroom, I try to like make sure that you know that these grades are just like it's just an external thing like you don't they, they don't actually define who you are as a person like even if you don't do well on them like it doesn't mean that you're not smart or anything um so i do try to make sure people don't like define themselves by like by these standards and whatnot mm-hmm. um but yeah i do think it gets in the way of just being uh, just being your spiritual self just just mm-hmm. knowing who that knowing like who you actually are because like i mean forget about the grades like just the social media and the like the certain i'm talking about teenagers specifically like kind of i'm kind of like getting into media now like how like certain media makes you think about certain think certain ways about people um and like there's just no positive there's no media that there's no mindful or not enough mindfulness media you know Oh, I love that. No, that's great. Did I just, is that like a, is that like a mindfulness media is, yeah, keep going, keep going. That's great. That ties into education too. I mean, like that's, so like your vision is exactly. I'm not talking about schooling. I'm talking about education right now. Like I'm talking about like the, the inculcating, like the shaping, the framing, um, like the building of one's mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's not conducive to like developing your full human abilities and like developing mm-hmm. who you came here to be, yeah. you know? Um, that's why I was saying like the social media, like a lot of students, like when they, like, you know, when they come in and they're talking to each other, whatever, like they might be comparing themselves to something they've seen on TV or like maybe, you know, uh, like other friends, like, Oh, so-and-so has this and that. And it's like all of that, like, why don't we teach how to not think like that in schools? Like, I feel like that would be helpful too. Um, but that goes into the, the, like the thing about the masks though, because like that, it's like a social mask. It's kind of like, um, like, like you're trying to keep up with, not keep up with the Joneses, but like you, like you, you aren't your true self. You don't give yourself your true self to people in public because of societal rules. I feel like, all right. You know, yeah. if you let, let's say if you're somebody who's loud, but society like you're in the library. All right. You're not allowed to be loud in the library. That's that's a, a valid rule. But you you still are going to be loud in the library, even if that's a part of you. So you're not going to show that part of you in the library because society doesn't allow it. So just take that same idea and then just apply it to like something else, you know, anything else like my friends don't allow my my friends don't think it's cool to use big words so maybe you won't do that or like it's not cool to talk about investing you know maybe so you say you won't do that you know so that's a mask too so i I don't know i'm just thinking of that now you know i didn't 
maybe that could be that could be a post like are you going to send me this i'll be able to listen to this yes of course <laughs> we are yes we absolutely have Instagram absolutely. Post that. that's a good one yeah that'll be great well yeah we talk about that all the time how you know just not being able to show up as you authentically are that is what our brand is that's what our show is all about is how we put these masks on and Brene Brown talks about it in a similar way she talks about we armor up either way we're covering who we truly are because we're afraid we're afraid to put ourselves out there as authentically as we can be yeah and then building off of your work Robert like the in education we disconnect kids from even understanding who they are, (laughs) you know? So like your vision of bringing in more mindfulness and more meditation, more spirituality and more of the whole thing in education. So they don't, you know, they may notice their mask, the mask commit, we can't prevent them, but like, then they consciously know, okay, so I'm in the library. I need to be quiet. I just have to tone down this piece, but I'm choosing to do it. In, with mm-hmm. an intention, with an understanding versus I don't even know why I'm doing it. I don't even know, am right. I supposed to, am I allowed? I like being loud, but wait, I'm not allowed to be loud versus, oh, I'm walking into a library. This is a place where we respect the community is trying to study or learn or read is very different energy versus something yeah. wrong with me that because I'm loud. Yeah, one is using altruism, like that. Uh, the last part, the latter one was altruism. Like that was an altruistic view. Like I'm doing this because of other people, there's a community. I'm trying to like, you know, cultivate a brighter future. I'm trying to do that. Yeah. But um, the other one was I, I just need to follow the rules, which is right. factory model. Ooh, I love that factory model. Not mm-hmm. I love the factory model, but I love the how you the term yeah. set down into such yeah. a really simple, and that goes back to again the. Capitalism, produce, consume. Yeah. Oh, you've got a lot yeah. of stuff going Doesn't on. Doesn't he? I know. Oh, really, my God, it's your questions. I feel like, it, like it's the questions. Once you are around the right questions, you can bring genius out of anyone. Oh, that's awesome. Well, so, and so imagine to... teachers asking the right questions. Oh. There you go. You students. See? Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. but, but that's the problem. You don't, the Socratic method is not, there's no time for it. Like that's right. the problem of time yeah and education which mm-hmm. i also i made another post on that too the problem of time like which is it's the same thing it's, you don't have time to struggle with a problem to ask questions to to act to really even do that yeah because you gotta you gotta have a test in by you know june or whatever like, especially in hi- yeah especially in high school i mean again going back to when i was teaching i had 43 minutes for a class by the time they actually sat down settled down I went over what we had to do. There was probably like 30 minutes of actual time that I mm-hmm. could try to teach anything. So I personally think that the whole entire school day needs to be changed. Like yep. this changing of mm-hmm. like, you have to have seven subjects a day. Who says, who says you have to go to all these subjects? Who says you have to go to gym? Who says, I mean, you know, you can incorporate movement and activity in any of the other subjects that you're doing, it could be a mindful, med- you know, walking meditation or whatever. But who says you have to go to math and then English and then science and, you know, and yeah. keep switching? It's ridiculous. And then on top of it, like in terms of lunch, like you talk about, you know, our society, like with eating issues, you literally have sometimes 20 minutes to eat your lunch. 20 mm-hmm. minutes. If you wanted to even teach mindful eating, you couldn't because you have to wolf your food down by the time you, you know, get it and then sit down. It's crazy. You don't even have time to go to the bathroom. Half the time my students would just take the hall pass and go to the bathroom and skip out mm-hmm. and half the class. You know, but so the whole entire structure sitting in, in desks that are hard, like, can you like imagine sitting, like I have this chair, it's comfy, it's, it's cozy, but like a hard wood chair for eight hours a day or seven hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just, just, sitting, just sitting down for so long in general for kids is like, that doesn't make sense. Like, exactly. I don't know. Like, they have a lot of energy. So why not you incorporate that? Use that process, like use that to your advantage. Like, that's why I think that school needs to be like, like how you said, the whole school day needs to be um, just up, upended. But I think it needs to incorporate more of place-based learning. Like you need to go outside and 
go to actual areas like yes. this is always my classic example like if you want to learn about just any language or any cultural area okay they're going to talk about the budget right? it's just an example you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about the budget right now but <laughs> you know if you want to go to china i even wrote this in the book if you want to go to china it, well if you want to learn about china then you should go to china that's the best way to learn about anything is to do it directly i think uh instead of studying books on china you know so just that concept i think we need to use that concept more like if you want to learn about math and geometry if we're doing it with ninth graders Okay, let's let's use the pool table. Like, let's use the billiards table. Like, that's a cool way. Yes. To, you know, yes. incorporate geometry. You know, so I I just think that that's you got to be more flexible when it comes to to learning and when it comes to what the school day will look like, and yeah, just incorporate more activities, more project based, more doing, learning by doing. And when you were talking about that, it brought two things to mind, you know, and it's just my children's education is popping in mind. I had a a different education as well through fifth, but um, part of the process in Montessori, like actual AMI, you're following Maria's methods is a going out. So like they would pick their topic. So one daughter for, you know, she did the Fennec Foxes, another one did um, alternative medicine. So she reached out to an acupuncturist, went and had an acupuncture treatment and interviewed her and went through the whole process, did this whole thing. Another, you know, the Fennec Fox um, went to the zoo and talked to a zookeeper about Fennec Foxes. Um, one did a research on, uh, um, secret service and she found a secret service guy and, or FBI person. And he called the school, vetted the school to make sure he could talk. And all of a sudden I remember we were leaving the school and all of a sudden one of the women in the office comes running out and she's like, they're on the phone for you. You need to come in and talk. So she interviewed this man and he's like, how did you find, I mean, it was just fascinating. So it like brought in all these different lessons And then the math aspect, like I love the billiard table because talk about geometry. Um, When they learned about Pythagorean's theorem in whatever, I don't know, second grade or whatever, doesn't matter. They learned the actual story of Pythagorean and the river and how it actually, you know, so it's like when you can bring it into life Mm. and experience, like you said, going to China, going, doing then it's real. It's not just something you read in a book that you can't touch, feel, experience. And I think, I mean, I, you know, you brought up budget and all of that, but like taking the kids to the zoo, it was a 10 minute drive or 20 minute drive, you know, so we can, if we can think outside the box a little and, you know, I don't, I don't know what it looks like and, you know, but it's, it really does make a difference because that inspires them to learn and figure things out. Yeah, and it's much easier to remember things that you did yourself as opposed to hearing about somebody else talk about something that happened through someone else. And it's just like, it's too far removed. It's like, uh, how does this relate to me again? You know, and it's just, right. Right. So I just want to share, before we start to wind up, I just want to share one part from your book. It's on page 33. So it says, um, and then have you comment or we'll have a little discussion on that. So it says to tune in would involve using everything that happens to you as a chance to grow. This means turning setbacks into stepping stones. So, and you call this engage education. So I'm focused on learning lessons and seizing opportunities, which I think is awesome. We talk about that all the time. We talk about looking at everything that happens to us in our lives as an opportunity to grow. So do you want to say more about that, this whole engage education? Oh, thanks Kim for bringing up the engage education because that's one of my secret like favorite parts. I'm always like, you know, bother my girlfriend about like, we have to be more engaged. Like we have to like, you know, <laughs> where's the lesson here? Like <laughs> some others do, I really actually do that. Like I don't just uh, say all these fancy things. It's hard. These things are hard to do. Like they are, like they're really hard to do, but it's more so if you, as long as you keep them up here, you know, and constantly like just at the forefront of your mind, it's, it's easier. But um, yeah, the concept of engaged education in like one sentence is pulling lessons out of thin air. Like that's, 
that's how I like to to say it. like you like you you got lessons from like you created an experience that wasn't supposed to be there um that you actually were able to garner some kind of benefit and like it's something that overly seemed bad is like all right well I'm gonna see what I could take out what can I learn from that like what can I like I, again I told my girlfriend I'm like all right we got to be positive spin specialists and that's not me I didn't make up that term I, I learned that's that from uh, who would you get that from? I love that. Yeah, I, I used to work at a, um, what is it called? Uh, direct marketing company. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to go door to door, knocking, like, you know, houses or whatever. So, they, like, on top of the job, they also had, like, this success mindset kind of course built into it. Mm-hmm. So, that's one of the things they said. They was like, you can complain about it being raining outside because we had to go outside when it was raining. It was like, all right, you could do that. Or you can look at it as, all right, like more people are going to be home. It's, it might be easier for you to get inside because you can use the rain as an excuse, you know, instead of looking <laughs> at the rain, like, right. Like instead of looking at the rain, oh man, it's raining. I'm going to get wet. I'm going to be upset, blah, blah, blah. Like you said, you use it as a reason to be like, no, nah, that's why I'm going to have a good day because now people are going to let me inside. So yeah. it's just like rethinking how you are looking at the exact same piece of information yeah. and making it benefit you. So that's and kind of what engaged education is about. And imagine children growing up with that message. Oh my God. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's, and that leads me to, so you might be wondering, Hey, all right, Robert, that's all well and good. You know, everything you're saying sounds great in theory, but how are you going to actually make that happen? I'm, I'm glad you asked. I've been waiting for that question. So <laughs> what, what I'm doing right now is I'm focusing like my main mission, if anybody was to ask you, um, hey, what's what's Robert's mission? Like anybody that knows me, it would be like, I I am the founder, I'm the owner of 10 schools in all 50 states of the US. So like that's my vision is to literally rethink schools by privatization. People are gonna be like, hey dude, I, I don't like people don't like that. People don't like the privatization talk. I know I'm gonna get some pushback for this one. But um hear me out. Like if I can open schools that stand for everything I'm saying. Like, all right, yeah, they're going to be private schools, but you know, who knows? Like maybe I won't, maybe I'll be able to not charge so much, you know, maybe I'll be able to make it affordable. Maybe I'll be able to make it. I want to have such a presence. Basically. That's why I said 10 schools in all 50 States, probably more than that. But the point is I want to have such a presence in the U S that it, it, and make it so accessible to people that it essentially becomes public, like that it is a public school. Like I know it's going to be private technically, but the vision is like, I, like I want it to be a school that supports humanization, um, the whole child approach, altruism. Uh, and it's going to be like a community, like kind of aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I know I, I'm using the P word, like the bad P word there. <laughs> um, but you know, not by my standards. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't know. I don't know where else. Cause we're not going to fix public education. Like not by, not unless we can get into those positions, like those official positions. And it's just, I don't know. I think that's a harder battle. Mm-hmm. I think I have a much better time opening yeah. up 10 schools in all 50 States. Again, if somebody is going to look at me and say like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, that's impossible. I'm like, okay. Like, well, that's my mission. Like that's the goal. Like it was, somebody thought that it was impossible to, and I always say this, to fly a piece of like metal through the sky. Somebody thought that was impossible. A lot of people thought it was impossible, but now that's what, like, that's how people travel. It's one of the top ways people travel. You know, somebody thought it was also crazy and stupid to drive a, a mechanical horse, a car, you know, <laughs> through the yeah. streets. But somebody brought that to life too. So it's like, it doesn't matter what you, what they think. It just matters what you believe. Yes, 100%. I get chills on that when you say that. I got chills. And I'm so inspired. I want to like buy one year. I want to buy a school. (laughs) 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 Well, I I definitely will need lenders. So (laughs) be funders. I want to support one of your schools. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You're very inspiring. Very inspiring for sure. Yeah. And you're, you're getting me at a very like delicate time. Like I'm at a time where I'm trying to reinvent myself. Like I'm trying to, you know, build my own situation up, 
you know, I'm trying to get new jobs. Like I'm doing a whole lot of things and I just don't feel very inspired. So thank you for saying that I was inspired. (laughs) You are extremely inspiring. And yeah, that means a lot. Yeah. I love your vision and your intention that you're putting out there of the 10 schools in 50 states and using the, the P word. But what I gathered in how you describe that is your intention is not private, exclusive, you know, t- oh, taking away, it's giving out, it's going outward and to, it to change it, right. it's from the bottom up. And so if it's 10 private schools to start to change the public, to change the way that system of education is, because you know mm-hmm. that is a much more effective, mindful way of changing it, because to try to do it top down is not the way to go, mm-hmm. it's bottom up. And so... When I hear the P word and the way you're talking about, it's not the way a lot of people think of private schools. That's not what, yeah. at least that's, I don't know if that's your intention, but the way you talked about it, it was as though your heart was opening up and like, yeah. this is, it's, this is it, yeah. you know? And it's all, that's why I said the P word, because in order to become, in order to overthrow, in order to like, like really see the salient change you want to see in the world, like you have to sometimes, you know, like, like you do some things like you play a little dirty you know that's why i said the p word like i'm doing it through the means of private like and i know that that's going to get some scorn but it's like i i i don't know any other way to really make it work and it's all like if we can make it happen like how i just said like yeah. make it so that we, we open up accessibility i don't see why privatization needs to be bad if you no. can do it like that so your p word is actually possibility mm-hmm. right exactly yeah, you know you you want to add possibility to the public, you know, public yeah. possibility. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, good too. Love it. Providing oh public possibility. You got a lot of pieces. <gasps> that's so good. The triple P. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this has been such a great conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Tia, do you have anything else that you want to bring in or Robert, do you have oh any my other goodness. questions? I- I feel we could talk for a lot longer, but we want to always be mindful of our episode lengths and whatnot. So um, this has well, been I mean, yeah. incredible. I was going to say we should do another. We should do another episode. Maybe we, we can switch because I I have a show too. So I also have a co-host. So maybe we can. I don't know. We can do a show on on the Astor Education Podcast. Absolutely, would love that. Would love that. Are you ready for your five questions? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the first one is, so we were talking about masks, right? And obviously our show is masks off. So what's the most prominent mask that you wear in your life? Do you think? Um, oof. I I don't know. The most prominent one. I I, I try to look cooler than I am. Maybe like I try to like be, (laughs) I try to have an embellished image of myself. I want to be cooler. I love it. Greater than I really am. I don't know. That's good. It's good. All right. You were talking about China earlier. So if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Right now. Um, Doesn't mean just like right in this moment. Oh, right this second. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, The first thing comes to mind is Italy. I've been, I've been to Venice before and it's just nice over there. Mm. I'd like to go back to Italy. I'd love that. Mm. So, you know, this kind of comes into line, too, with your education and kids and all of that. So what's your favorite way to take care of yourself? Because that's an important part for kids to learn, too, in education. So how do you take care of yourself? Well, I do a lot of um, reading, like audiobooks. Like I do, like, because mm-hmm. I think the most important way to take care of yourself is mentally. Because, you know, it's mine. Like a lot of, like, it's a, a toss-up. Sometimes people will say action leads to thought i think they both ways but i do think the mental way is stronger um so yeah i, I try to like read different audiobooks um i mean you know classics like seven habits of highly effective people rich dad poor dad i read those but then i read some other ones like the power of, of your subconscious mind mm. and um like just uh i think i had what is it the power of now too in my in my yeah. queue i didn't read it yet but um, oh it's good just, yeah so so yeah different books like that good well that's so leading into the next question I want to go to the fifth question, but I'm going to hold back because of what you just said. Yeah. Uh, what if, if you have a bucket list, what's number one on that list? Um, well, I already said open pen schools, so I guess I can't <laughs> say that. Uh, so maybe it would be 
Well, one thing, so this is not a bucket list. I mean, it, I guess it is a bucket list item. I just know I'm going to do it probably way sooner than any bucket list time. But uh, one of my, my visions, I'll just tell you one of my immersive visualizations. How's okay. that? So, Perfect. This, Perfect. You know, I'm on, I'm on a couch. You know, I'm sitting across from, um, you know, I got a nice suit on, a light blue suit, um, light blue shirt, you know, nice, so maybe a checkered tie. I don't know. Maybe I, I got to change the tie, but. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm nice, you know, looking nice, blue brown shoes. And I'm sitting across from Robin Roberts. It has to be Robin Roberts. Hopefully mm-hmm. she's there, you know, when I, when I make it. But, you know, Robin Roberts, she's going to be doing an interview. And she's just like how we're doing now. But I'm, instead, I'm going to be on live TV, you know, mm-hmm. talking, you know, my legs crossed, talking about, you know, what does it mean to cultivate a brighter future? You know, like, that's my, that's my, that's the uh, visual, that's the, the bucket list. Love it. And I love how you're so yeah. Oh, I love how you're so detailed in it too. Like what you're wearing, like the energy of it. Manifestation yeah, so, is definitely one of your strong suits. I can tell <laughs> just the way thanks, you think. Yeah. That's why I said it's not even a bucket list. Cause bucket list is something like people like say, Oh, when I get the chance, you know, before I die. And it's like, no, this is going to be much sooner before that. Love you know? it, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. And then the last question is, since you listen to lots of books, what's one of those books that's changed your life? 10X Rule by Grant Cardone, hands down. Mm. Absolutely. That book, that's what got me started, like, to play at this level. And mm. I'm still even at the level I need to be. Like, I'm slacking compared to my full power. But, like, that book really helped to turn my spirit on, like, to the level that I'd, or at least closer to where I know I could be. Because, like, he just talks about, just putting in 10 times more effort into anything and having like 10 X goals and having this big vision. Like that's kind of I think where I got the 10 schools from is like, all right, like what's a 10 goal, 10 X goal, a big vision, a big think mission that I could I love that. really. Yeah. So that's where, that's the, that's the book that the that's book, great. April, April 15th is when I like, I really got into, that's not when I read it, but um, it was around that time was when I read it. Um, but that's when I started my podcast. So that's a good mental marker for me to like, know when I even started on this journey at this right. level. So yeah, April 15th last year, it's kind Love of when it. I started. That's great. So I just, those are the five questions, right? We did five. Those are it. I just want to say like, while I love all the guests that we have on the show, I love having guests on here. I want to say that your energy I love it. Like besides being inspiring, you're just so relaxed. I feel that you're a hundred percent yourself right now. And throughout this whole podcast, you're a hundred percent real authentic. And I just wanted to acknowledge your energy and how much I love it. Thank you. I mean, a lot. So thank you for being yeah. on the show, but before we do wrap up, how can listeners reach you? How can they get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Yeah. So, you know, my main method of, I guess, impacting the world would be Instagram. You could find me on Instagram at Aster underscore education. Um, you could also find it on Twitter too. It's the exact same thing. Aster underscore education. Um, Aster is spelled A-S-T-E-R. Sometimes people think it's O-R, but it's E-R. Um, so that's E-R. I have YouTube, but I don't really use it. I mean, it's like eight videos. If you kind of want to see my face a little bit it's on there. I think it's the same thing, Aston underscore education. Oh, I also have a website too. Uh, I almost forgot. Yeah, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so the, the website is called asteducation.net. Um, you could just type in www.asteducation.net. It'll take you to my website. It's an author's site. So like, you know, the first thing you'll see is my book. And if you are interested in education and school change and rethinking our education system at a systemic level, Definitely might want to check out that book. Um, you could find it at my link. You know, the link, um, I guess it'll be listed in the podcast. It will. Um, but the, yeah, the link in my bio at Aster Education, but also at www.astereducation.com. Uh, well, .net, excuse me. I didn't pay for .com because .com was taken. <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, I don't know. And your podcast, other- you have a podcast show as well. Oh, yeah. You see, I make too many things that I forget what I have. Yeah, I have a podcast show as well. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Spotify or uh, what is it? Uh, Apple Music or mm-hmm. Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. Um, I think they have it on Breaker, Google Play. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do people even use that? Yeah, uh, <laughs> some do. Not as many. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm on there too. 
Um, awesome. But definitely, you know, tune in let me, and stay cultivated. That's always what I, what I like to tell everybody, you know, stay cultivated. It means to stay improving, stay moving forward and just stay becoming a better version of yourself. Awesome. And we will have all that listed in the show notes. Um, anything else, Tia? Oh, you have, do you have a something for the listeners? So there is, all right, listeners, I, I'm sorry, because there is supposed to be a promo code for you guys. I don't have the promo code yet. Okay. I just, we'll put it no, in, the, in the notes we'll when you it have in, it. We will. We will. Yep. But don't worry. There will be a promo um, and it'll be like a, a discount to uh, like, you know, if you listen to this episode, um, you'll be able to, you know, get access to the, to the discounted price of the book, The Essence awesome. of Education. Um, and yeah, basically anybody who listens to the episode. We'll get it. Would get the, yeah. Yep. So Fantastic. This has been amazing. I am so energized right now and so just. <laughs> awesome. I can't Great. wait to see all your schools opening up around this country. And I, ha- you have the energy, the enthusiasm, the passion, the commitment to having all of your visions come through. You know, it may not happen in the exact same order you want, but as you said, just like earlier, the path is going to be there, the stepping stones, the lessons, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to witness and see what you bring out into this world because we need you. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, it's clear. It is very clear. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show and thank you everybody for listening. As always, if you enjoyed what you heard today, give us a like or subscribe and we will see you on the next episode of Masks Off. Thanks everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and share with friends and family. Check out the show notes for how to contact us. Remove your masks. Live your life. See you next time on Masks Off. Masks Off.